Welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys for September 18th. My name is Dylan Flynn. My name is Trevor Igrath. Dylan, we're back to talk about gorillas for another week. We are. We're, we're, we're concluding our remixes mini season. And boy, I am ready to put this in the rear view. I'm definitely ready for the worst episode of Hallelujah Monkeys. I've been preparing for it all week. <laughs> all week. Can't wait. I'm not going to pretend that it's going to be anything other than what it's going to be. Welcome to the worst episode of Hallelujah Monkeys. Welcome to the absolute worst podcast in your podcatching app right now. But it's all back uphill from here. That's the good news. Yeah, there's a, there's nowhere to go but up. We are never, we are never, ever, ever going to have to review the second disc of D-Sides ever again. I was thinking, you know, what what might be nice is as a, as we move into the news segment. In fact, let's go ahead and play the jingle. It's all good. As we move into the news segment for this week, Trevor, I thought it would be nice for us to do ourselves a gift, to give a gift to ourselves, call it an early solstice gift or something, and say that we never review a remix again on this show after this episode. That would, I I feel like we've earned it, or we will at least have earned it by the end of this episode. (laughs) By the end of this episode, I feel like even if a new one drops and it's, and it's, you know, an aerial pink <laughs> remix to New Gorilla song. We don't have to talk about it. We're we're absolved. We've paid our dues. We've been through the fire and through the flames. Yeah, let's talk about what news we have to talk about, uh, Trevor. Once again, always on the cutting edge. We totally missed a pop-up G-Foot store in Brooklyn this week. Why hasn't like LA been getting any of this love? I don't know. I don't know what it is. It seems like Brits always like New York. You know, they show up and they're like, oh, New York is like my second home city. No, it's not. Go back to the UK. We don't want you here. Yeah. Go away, John Lennon. Yeah, I mean... Here, <laughs> sign my album and then I'll shoot you in the gut. <laughs> I get that LA's a little bit farther, but I mean, come on, send send some stuff out here. It's a big city. A lot of Gorillaz fans. Yeah, plenty of Gorillaz fans in, in you don't in see LA. You don't see any Gorillaz podcasts based in New York. There sure aren't. Not that I know of. No. There was a pop-up G-Foot store. It sold socks and t-shirts and all sorts of things, Trevor. Um, my favorite thing, though, was that they had these, like, really nightmarish disgusting gorillas masks very grotesque (laughs) and kind of deformed and hard to really tell what's going on even from the very clear pictures we got like there's that russell one that you included in our uh, news doc where it looks like (laughs) he's eating his own head and then there's a third kind of mouth falling out of the mouth that is on the the head head that he's eating yeah (laughs) what if that'd be awesome if like hewlett got to a sort of critical mass point where he was so tired of drawing the same four characters over and over again that like he just went like fully cubist for a phase of this band you know phase five the abstract one yeah exactly the abstract phase i'd be all for it do you think that russell eating himself thing is supposed to be like a continuation of the like saturn illusions like you know with that goya painting of him devouring his son Oh, I like that idea or maybe maybe it's just like the most arty russell fat joke yet (laughs) 
Uh, also, in advance of the of the big uh, Meadows Festival in New York City, they they started teasing who would be there with these little like FaceTime screen caps on their Instagram and Twitter right, accounts. Right. So they would post one that would be like uh, Little Sims is calling or whatever, you know. And mm-hmm. then they post the next one, and you'd see Little Sims, and then in the in the corner you'd see a member of the band, and they'd say something to them like, "Are you all y'all ready for this or whatever?" You know. Yeah, cute. Very cute way cute. to go about announcing who's going to be there. Definitely. In lieu of there not really being any lore or uh, continuity in this phase, they have definitely been very shrewd with their social media. You can't you can't argue with that, you know. It's felt a little empty without some kind of narrative uh, thrust to it, though, hasn't it? Yeah. Like, I've really been noticing that. Especially lately, where, where we're in this, this stage where, you know, around this time in Phase 3... We were talking about the differences between Cyborg and, and Real Noodle and her her potential fate, and, you know. So is this like, do you think this is a case of uh, not knowing what you've got until it's gone? Where like, I, I mean, in Phase 3, I remember it being really frustrating, kind of having a very disorganized narrative. But is that better than having none at all, do you think? I think it is a little bit better. I think that yeah. the, there's definitely a happy happier middle ground between those two things. Like. Mm-hmm. In which what we have isn't quite so obfuscated by you know half truths and, and opacity, but but still, it'd be nice to have a little bit more than just these kind of red herrings, like the idea, the existence of the cool clown clan, and is Murdoch Nichols up to something, and etc. These are like little half thoughts that have been sort of sprinkled around throughout the phase, but none of them really tie together into anything. It would definitely give us a little more content to talk about. Title. Title is now in the, they've joined the corporate family. (laughs) Title's in the mix. (laughs) Oh. So that means Pandora, Spotify, Apple, and Title are all, boy, these, these people, they are not, they're giving it out, aren't they? Gorillaz is just in the pot, just in the pocket of so many people now. (laughs) Title streamed the set last night, uh, well, two nights ago at the Meadows Festival in New York City. Uh, I got to watch a little bit of it. Life has been kind of busy lately, but I did get to watch a little bit of it. From what I saw, Trevor, Damon seemed to be under the weather. Yeah, I heard it was a very underwhelming performance. He was struggling. He was really struggling. Like he was. He was, like, missing his cues during Let Me Out, which, I mean, he doesn't have a lot to do in that song. No, no. Damon, you've got, like, one job there. Pretty good guest list, though. Let me let me rattle them off. We had Pusha T, Booty Brown, uh, Pevin Everett, Drum, Jamie Principal, Little Sims, De La Soul, Jenny Beth, who unfortunately did not perform her version of 5-4. Right. And Most Def, who was there for the first time since Phase 3, but didn't do sweepstakes. Fuck that. That's a shame. That's a real missed opportunity, considering what a sweepstakes can be live do you think they didn't want to do it because they didn't have the um brass ensemble maybe maybe i like it seems like such a waste to have most stuff you know in the in town you, you're bothering to pay him money to show up but he's just gonna yeah. do that little that little bit in stylo seems weird really seems weird. yeah that is weird but i mean when you, sweepstakes has to be one of the harder songs to pull off live yeah i i it, it's it's also probably it could have just been he's like i don't i don't feel like i can do it like i don't remember it or something they made the most of drum's uh, uh presence drum did like the extended drum special version of andromeda so that was like a thing that's pretty cool 
That's pretty cool. Uh, Drum also, I believe, announced that he's coming on tour for this next leg of the North American tour. So we'll see if we see him at the forum. Do you, I, do you think they would like uh, permanently shift over to the Drum special then? Maybe, maybe, maybe we'd start getting his little, his little. What is he? He talks about a bag in that verse. He has his own little verse doing his own little thing. Still, much prefer the album version though. Oh yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to see Idnet, his adorable uh, Labradoodle, on stage. Sure, totally. Bring Idnet out there. Labradoodle, come on, come on the show. <laughs> yeah, let, definitely. We'll interview that dog for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, this is just something a little bit more fun. Alburn had a big feature in the New York Daily News uh, kind of promoting leg two of the North American tour. And here's the juicy paragraph. Are you ready for the juicy paragraph, Trevor? Ready for the juice. Uh, Alvarez says he'd like to make another record in his traveling studio while he's on the road. Uh, and has been laying down tracks with his band, The Good, The Bad, and The Queen. Also, Alvarez reveals he is currently learning the West African language of Bambara for a theatrical adaptation of uh, Sundiata Kita, uh, an epic poem of the ancient Mali Empire. How about that? Sounds like we're going to get another Auburn opera. Yeah, we're going to get like a Journey to the West part two. We're going to get like a Fall part two. And we're going to get Good, the Bad, and the Queen part two if all of this stuff comes to pass. Wouldn't all that be nice? Wouldn't that be all so nice? I mean, if you could have one of these, which one would you want? Um, Just knowing that there's a possibility of the Good, the Bad, and the Queen Brexit edition makes that to the top of the list for me. Fingers. Fingers crossed, dude. I definitely want to hear his take on... on the weird nationalism current that's running through Great Britain right now. I want to see if he gets Danger Mouse back, too. Me, too. I would be very interested in that. Yeah. Very interested to see what he does with that, too. We'll see. Does Danger Mouse go back to this weird Damon Auburn side project after working with the likes of you, too? <laughs> Good question. And only... That's that's the real... The, the tables have kind of turned, in a way. Where, like... A little bit. Now now it's a big ask. Now it's a big ask for a guy who's who's become a very high demand producer but brian remember who gave you your start that's true you owe it all to him you owe it all yeah him and gemini him and gemini (laughs) just the first two to put him on where are you gemini come on the show okay come on the show gemini let's do the round table trevor are you ready sure i guess so yeah fine okay here we go this trevor yeah Yeah. everything i hate this i hate myself i hate this show yeah i have to say in terms of like uh, the progression of the show mirroring my initial journey with this band i can definitely remember being like i I don't know 17 by this point and never Uh wanting to hear feel good ink dare kids with guns dirty hero or albanyana ever again ever again I don't want to hear, and now I'm just questioning how much I even like these songs anymore. Like, okay, the na- the alternate name of, of D-Side's Disc 2 is Dare and Kids With Guns, the remix album. Ugh. It's just, they, they, really? just, they don't just... stop. They don't stop. Here's, here's yeah. what I figured out a remix is from listening to D-Side's Disc 2, Trevor. A remix okay. is a song that has no greater than three ideas in it, and... Is no That's if you're lucky. Is no fewer than six minutes in length. 
That's how you make a remix. So they go on forever. What was your experience like preparing for this episode? Did you stretch this out over a week? Did you spend a long time with these or did you cram it all into like just like the last couple hours before we did the show? So Tuesday of last week, I was like, I'll put it on. And then I fell asleep before Jamie T's turns to monster remix started for sure. Okay. I fell asleep and then I was like, Oh, that didn't work out. (laughs) And then I listened to it in fits and starts here and there. And then today I was like, okay, I have to go help my dad clear a storage unit out. So I'm going to put it on my headphones and listen to it. And let me tell you the flavor of, of (laughs) grueling manual labor. Yep. Mixed with, D sides disc two is truly pungent. It is yeah because grueling manual labor is pretty much what it took to get ready for this episode. (laughs) Not a bad descriptor of the experience of just listening to this album. Yeah, real bad. Real bad. Do you have uh, do you have three words for this one? I sure do. Okay, what are those? My three words are uh, mercenary and boring. And okay. lazy. Those are my three words. All right. Mine are um, interminable, <laughs> punishing, right, and just long. <laughs> I, I like how long and interminable both made it on. <laughs> They're different things. They're different things. They yeah? are. They are. Yeah. Things that are long aren't necessarily interminable, but luckily, here we get both. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Both in spades. Let's get right into the interminable with the the DFA remix of Dare, Trevor. Sure. Okay. I mean, you'd have to consider this a highlight of the collection, right? Right. And, you know, I mean, if this is a highlight, like, (laughs) not really thrilled for the rest of it. It's like 12 minutes long. The I think like the outstanding question here is, was this James Murphy's work? Oh, I wrote down that exactly. I said, is this Murphy or an apprentice? What does a DFA remix mean in 2007? Okay, so he he had his his engineer from DFA Studios is credited. Okay, Eric, what is his name? Bork Borkchik something or like that. Uh, and I looked at his little bio on his website, and he's like. Uh, I also worked with James Murphy on all of the DFA remixes. Okay. So I wonder if that means that... Okay. I think that this bears the thumbprint of of a James Murphy production. And let me explain. Sure. Absolutely. It highlights middle-aged men doing dubious disco falsetto. Check. <laughs> and and it's 12 minutes long. This feels... Check. This, that feels like a Murphy move to me. The thing, like the thing that I kept coming back to, listening to these, uh, listening to these songs, are you like you're familiar with like the concept of like an elevator pitch, right? Yes. If you want to get anything made in like Hollywood or the entertainment industry, you have to have like an elevator pitch. You have to be able to convince whoever you need to convince that it should get made, that it should get made in the time it takes to like you know ride an elevator with them. And I would have loved to have heard the elevator pitches for like oh, God, any of right? these because you know right? if you want to make a good remix, if you want to make a good remix, you got to get the stems. You know, you yes. can't just take the song. You got to get the stems. And when you need the stems, sometimes you got to go right for the source. So, like, how were these, like, like James Murphy, the Stanton Warriors, whoever they are, Jamie fucking T, what was the elevator pitch they had to I get the stems know, for man. these huge hit songs? I mean, there's names on here like Hot Chip where you would imagine that 
the label must have approached them, you know, because they were sure. they were big totally. shit at this point, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The, here's the problem: two thirds of the DFA remix are nothing. Like, yeah. There's the first third where it's using the Damon vocal, and that's that's a fun little curiosity. He's got his kind of his funky croaking going on. The uh, third parties who remix Dare fucking love Damon's vocal, apparently, because for sure they like to do nothing more than just isolate it for a bit. This has a nice little live tracked bass line. That's definitely a highlight. And very DFA too. That bass line. Yes, that it's it's a nice little bass line. And then and then. You know, three minutes and change into the remix, it just it just doesn't stop. Like it kind of the vocals stop and the new elements stop, but it just mm-hmm. keeps going. It just keeps going for another two thirds of the runtime. Like at one point I think there's a little bit of dropping out and some stuff going on. Uh, well, it tries to do this like love on top thing almost for a minute where it keeps going higher and higher, or at least it seems to be. Yeah. And like, it's, it's almost though, it's almost like a copy pasted like part in like a James Murphy demo for like an early LCD sound system song. Like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Where I can just see him looping apart and going like, okay, here's where I'm going to start building stuff on top of it. Except for that, that step never happened. That step never happened. Yes. It's like he needed to figure out the track length. And then he was going to add more elements, and the elements never ended up making their way into the song. Because who the fuck cares? Because it's a hired gun sure. kind of job. Yeah. Look, I've talked about this on the show before, but but the 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 exploitative dark secret of, of label remix uh, culture is that if you are uh, a, an electronic music producer, you need to be friends with all these label promoter people because they'll put you on big shows that will bring you to a bigger audience. Uh, and the way that you play ball is they say, okay, remix these 15 songs from my different artists. And then you sit at your computer, uh, in your digital audio workstation, bleary eyed and tired. And you, you throw together, look, the copy and the paste have never been more blatant and obvious than they are on, on these, on these remixes, because you got to crank them out. You got to get them out there. You know, it's not about, it's not about art. It's about commerce. It's like uh, it's like Aphex Twin said, mixes for cash. Yes, mixes for cash, exactly. You know, and politics and political clout. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe what we need to do is create like a Kinsey scale, Trevor, of like on one side of, of the Kinsey scale is commerce and on the other side is art. And we should decide where each of these remixes falls, you know? I feel like that is probably a good idea, but I feel like it's almost an uninteresting one because <laughs> how many of these are going to drift close to the art? side like let's be real some of them are like commercial but artistically made and some of them are not very commercial at all (laughs) there's definitely worse remixes on this album than this sure oh and we'll talk about them and we'll talk about them (laughs) we'll talk about them but how about the end of this one because this is where punishing starts to come into play for me that sure. really horrible synth sound he just starts churning out in the last like minute and a half. It's really cheap. It feels really like they call it like out of the box, you know, like it feels like a preset or something. It sounds and it's really just bad. Like it's just unpleasant sounding and it goes on forever. Like it sounds like something you would hear in the last like five seconds of a song. But like I like picked up my phone to check the runtime when this noise wasn't stopping and it had like another 45 seconds left. And it was just, yeah, I know. Ugh, it's like, like, what did I do to you? <laughs> 
I really do think James Murphy made this. It feels Murphy-ish to me. But this was when was this originally released? Because it wasn't 2007, 2005, six. Yeah, five or six. Whenever the Dare single came out, this was this was bopping around in that release. So he he really only had like those early LCD sound system singles, and maybe like uh, what Daft Punk is playing at my house under his yeah, belt. Yeah, he had, he was kind of like an it boy at this point, you know. But he wasn't like. LCD sound systems, James Murphy. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, he, had, yeah. he hadn't yet become like the David Byrne of his generation or whatever. Do you think he could have ever known that in, uh, what, like six or seven years, he'd be working on a 12-minute experimental Krautrocky hip-hop jam with him and the dude from Outkast? I don't know. I wonder if it even popped into his head. That's what I'd be curious to know. Like, was, yeah. did, was this just a fever dream in, in a long, you know, hired gun remix line? Or, or did he make that connection when he was working on, on Do You Think? And if it popped into his head, do you think he'd even bring it up with David or he'd be like, that's embarrassing, I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, good question. <laughs> it always comes full circle with this band. It really does. <clears throat> Let's talk about uh, the the only remix of Feel Good Inc. that was ever officially sanctioned by EMI, the Stanton Warriors remix. Why do you think that is? Because this was like... A huge song, and I feel like Feel Good Inc. has big remix potential. Not only was this the only remix, it was not released on any format. This this, and a very limited edition like vinyl single of this remix are the only released formats of this song. The Feel Good Inc. singles never included a Feel Good Inc. remix. Interesting. Just weird. I mean, I get why Dare was kind of maybe more heavily promoted as the remix single, but... I feel like there still should have been some stuff out there for Feel Good Inc. I say as if I would have like actually enjoyed listening to any of it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm again. I don't. I don't think I suffer for there being no more yeah. Feel Good Inc. remixes. But it is curious. Like I don't exactly understand why. It was and who are hit. the Stanton Warriors, and why do they get the only one? Buddy, I, I did minimal wikiing this time around. <laughs> who knows? Who the who fuck knows? knows? <laughs> It is really corny though when when remix artists use like clean radio versions of songs to remix. Like it always feels, it always feels cheap and corny to me for some reason. You know. What do you think about this as an actual remix of the song? It's inoffensive. It's too long. It's definitely it's too really long. long. And you know, I I feel uncomfortable with the ways it makes me feel about Feel Good Inc. Because it kind of almost gives me the impression that. I don't like any one element of Feel Good Inc. by itself. Yeah, like, I can feel that. I can hearing, feel that. Hearing De La Soul's verse, like, um, out of context, I just, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. The windmill chorus out of context doesn't really do anything for me. It's just when, when they all come together in the actual song, it's great. It's very alchemic, you know? It, yeah, I agree. It becomes greater than the sum of its parts. But here, when you take them out of that context and just throw them over like a 4-4 dance kind of beat, I just don't think they're very effective. I like that he's using that that one little rhythmic Maceo laugh as a recurring element, the ha, 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 that one. I, I like that that That's cool. Appearances. There's one moment that I really like, which is, the you know, this remix kind of plods along and doesn't seem to be doing very much at all, and then... When the windmill chorus finally comes in, he drops in this like the Stanton Warriors, whoever they may be, drop in this like uh, this like really angry, aggressive synth behind it. This like bow, wah, wah, that sounds like that's like the one cool part of the, the song. That's the only cool part of the song. That's like the one part <laughs> I like. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, that's it. That's yeah. about it. Remixes though. are one or two ideas stretched at six or more minutes. That's what they are. But then we have a song with no shortage of ideas, Trevor. 
<laughs> maybe Jamie. yeah this is one this is the exception that proves the rule maybe too many ideas going into this one maybe not enough good ones <laughs> uh jamie t's turns to monsters mix of kids with guns you think you think out of all the ideas going into this there'd be some good ones but i feel like there's a distinct lack of good ideas here you can't help it, it you know what it's the best thing you could do to this remix though is put it on d-size disc 2 because it's sort of like everything that the rest of d-size disc 2 isn't right it's like very personal it's oddly you know uncommercial and challenging it's <laughs> it's it's fairly concise it's not super duper long in that context it feels probably way better than it would anywhere else you know sure it's about something it's about difficult and frightening teenage boys and their and their suffering mothers it's about uh it feels like it might be being told from some personal experience that jamie t had um his voice is really annoying <laughs> but yeah oh my god it's like watching it's like watching two episodes of skins at once <laughs> With an episode of the Misfits playing on in the background. Well put. It's just too much. It's and I don't I don't like the way he takes the direction of the song. Like I'm sorry. I don't love the whole like turning into monsters kind of thing. I don't know, it just doesn't do it for me. Sorry, Jamie. I think he's the worst Jamie that's ever been associated with the project. Ooh, that's a good point. Let me think. Yeah. yeah. Definitely worse than Jamie Principal, definitely, definitely worse than Jamie Hewlett. Yep. Yeah, I think Jamie he's the worst T, sorry. One. Sorry, Jamie T. Some of these arrangements are very dense and they, and they don't quite work, but I like I still am very grateful that this is on this because it just changes things up. It, it breaks up the monotony of the four on the floor, at least. I'm not going to say it's a breath of fresh air or <laughs> a fresh of breath air. No. But it's definitely it's definitely a breath of something. I actually decided that this is a top three on the on D side just two for me, and here's why. I was just about to ask if you had a top three on this album. <laughs> I do, and this is one of them. And here's why. Okay. I like to imagine a label executive receiving this remix and frowning. And really, <laughs> the enemy here, the real who we need to blame is whoever worked at EMI and compiled this thing. Right. Jamie T, like we're not holding it against you. No. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, and I like to think that Jamie T made that EMI person feel angry and upset, and therefore, this is one of the three best songs on D-Side to do. And the enemy of my enemy also really probably hates, like, Arctic Monkeys, right? Probably. I'm trying to make a magazine <laughs> joke there. You get it. I don't I have a top three for this album, but I do have a bottom three. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. I do, yeah. And I, I think we're going to say that the... I think three is probably best and one is worst. So right. I think I'm going to slot this one in at three. Okay, sure. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just below the like, you know, line where we cross into the worst. I think, I think that, uh, that you could make a compelling argument that the Jamie T's turns to monsters mix is the worst song on this album <laughs> or the best song on this album. It's, which is why it's, it's, which is why it's, probably the most interesting thing here for sure it definitely is the most interesting yeah. thing uh okay let's talk about the soul wax remix of dare <laughs> one of the least interesting things here this sucks man this yeah. is not good it's like a it's like a, it's built on this kind of like cnc music factory baseline which mm -hmm. if this had just gone full jock jam that would have at least been funny and interesting but why aren't there any jock jam gorillas remixes there should be i there support it be. totally
So here's what I think the elevator pitch for this one must have been, okay? Uh-huh, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm in an elevator with somebody from EMI, or maybe, you know, Damon himself, uh, or Danger Mouse. I don't know who I'd be talking to, but sure. <laughs> here's what I would tell them to get this remix made, okay? You know um, you know the band Soft Cell? They did, like, Tainted Love? Yeah, dun-dun. Yeah, I think some vocals from Dare would go perfect over the sound of, like, maybe three or four isolated, like, overdubs from Tainted Love. <laughs> And that's it. We mute, we mute most of the tracks from Tainted Love, keep like a cowbell, one synth sound, and like the, the kick drum, and then throw a couple little ideas from Dare over it. Boom, you got a hit. I love how after like three minutes of droning on the little plinks and the bass line, he like, they, they start to ramp up like it sounds like it's going to go to a big change, right? And then they move into this bridge where it's just this one keyboard going. And that's the best part of the song. <laughs> the best part. <laughs> that's the best part of the song. I hate the Soul Axe remix. It's so bad. It's the worst. Well, it's not the worst. There's worse. There's more bad. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. No, yeah, no, this isn't in my bottom three. Almost gets there. It almost gets almost there. It's gets so there. bad, though. Yep, it's yep, so yep, bad, yep. though. <laughs> Remixes are two ideas stretched over <laughs> six or more minutes. Uh, up next, we have some really famous people. The Hot Chip remix of Kids With Guns. Right. They were they were pretty big around this time, right? At least in kind of like those like indie pop scenes. Yeah, I think especially in in uh, Europe, they were like pulling stadium crowds and shit. Like they were really? a big deal. I never really checked them out. They're fine. They have some good singles. I don't know if I'm yeah. necessarily into any of their records on the whole, but the singles are all fun and dancey and and feel like that kind of fun dancey synth indie thing that was going on back then. You know. Well, this is definitely my favorite song on this record. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot to it. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's got that, that cute little synth vibraphone line, um, which is a little bit repetitive, a little bit repetitive, but it's, I it's like good. it though in almost like an ambient kind of way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that the, I don't yeah. know if I like the voices that they're using though, synth wise. I don't like the vocals on this one. I feel like this would almost be a better track as an instrumental. Yeah. Uh, although, although the, okay. So like, I think it's at like three minutes and 40 seconds. They add this little riff that sounds almost kind of Daft Punky and is very groovy. Mm-hmm. That uh, again, isolated is like, I think one of the better musical moments on this side. I think most of the better musical moments, uh, on this disc happened during this song. Probably. 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 Yeah. It's very exploratory. You know, it almost takes kind of like a post rock approach to it with like long, like changing landscapes. Yeah, it's kind of moody. Um, it's a little bit subtle. It's uh, it's not obnoxious. Still, never probably really want to listen to it again. No, in fact, I don't think I'm ever going to willfully listen to anything on this collection as long as I live and breathe. Absolutely I think this not. Is it for all of these, <laughs> let's talk about the Elvinata Metronomy remix. Right. This is um, this is number one in my bottom three. You want to hear? You want to read my notes? These are my notes. Sure. Uh, I hate this. I don't like this at all. Yep. This this is bad. And then finally, I underline this one. It just says clangy and not good. (laughs) (laughs) Clangy and not good. But this is where it really gets punishing for me. That fucking 
bicycle car horn synth Ugh. that he just hammers on over and over again. Like why? Like I had I had to turn it like I had to turn it off at the end. I just had to mute my speakers. Like for that like forty five second outro of it, I was like, okay, this is too much. Like sorry. I actually like, like metronomy. Like again, what the fuck did I do to you? Like what have I done to deserve you treating me like this? While this was playing, Trevor, I was lifting a giant power chair that doesn't work anymore into the back of my car okay and like i was in so much physical pain and the 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 cacophonous things that were happening in my headphones were happening and i wanted cacophonous or castrophonous yeah castrophonous also and then i wanted to reach up and pull the headphones out of my ears just so that i could like hear nothing but if i did i would drop the power chair like onto my foot and probably break my bones so i was like stuck listening to this thing feeling physical pain it was like it was a comically unpleasant moment in my life <laughs> it's a comically unpleasant song it really is i got a question if metronomy even likes this band or this song or anything i feel like he might like actively dislike gorillas it feels it feels like you might be right it feels angry what do you think about what he does with the vocals because he shifts them a little bit, and it kind of results in a different effect. He doesn't want them to wrap around the beat at all. He would like them to feel like they're not beat matched. What do you? What do I they, think about that? They do initially feel like they're not beat matched, but they are, and it changes the way da uh, Damon's vocal kind of descends during the chorus. It does, yeah. Which is he, actually kind of cool. In any other context, this would have been a really interesting reimagination of the song's melody, but like here it's just awful it's just gross and bad <laughs> really bad <laughs> he, it sounds like he must have been so angry that he had to do like he wanted he probably wants to like you know create art and like this is not what he sees as art like you like you said it's mercenary work you know he he's like probably sitting at his at his workstation going like i don't want to fucking do this shit i'm just gonna do whatever the fuck i can to like get this out yeah i feel like you probably go through like several stages of grief during a long remixing session and like we fell upon his anger section you know like this yeah is the this is his fuck the system moment you know i would really love to see this uh this compilation rearranged so that it kind of follows the uh <laughs> steps of grief because i bet you could do it for sure do you want to do that real quick i feel like we're running a little short on time for this episode do you want to just on the fly figure that out we got anger Okay, well, Anger, I think Jamie T's is also pretty angry, isn't it? That's that's true. He's like, I sold all your CDs in the back of my car. He's like, he's right, pretty but there's angry. a difference in the content, um, the content of the song being angry, and the vibe that the production of it gives off. All right, so denial. What what do you think denial would be? Anything that's that's trying to have any kind of fun or sound fun as denial, you know. I almost feel um, the DFA remix works pretty well as Denial, because you kind of get something a little funky, and you're like, oh, cool, a chance to finally get to hear uh, Damon's vocals isolated. Maybe this won't be that bad. This is going to be okay. There's going to be stuff here that I'm going to enjoy. I would think that also maybe the Junior Sanchez, but that also might be bargaining. I don't know. Jun I feel like Junior Sanchez has got to be bargaining. That makes a lot of sense for me. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So Denial, we have the DFA remix for sure. And then what's up? What's up after Denial? Anger, so that's uh, metronomy. Maybe also the the Jamie T's turns into monsters. Maybe that also. Right, right. So know. then we get bargaining. 
then then bargaining junior sanchez yep uh depression which one is depression i mean that might be turning into monsters to be honest that one's I, pretty depressing soul wax is also kind of depressing <laughs> that's true in its own way isn't it <laughs> yeah like there's just definitely. nothing to it yeah and we uh wind up on acceptance well that you know acceptance and consignment are two very similar ideas i feel like right I feel like you could either choose acceptance as like the closest thing to like a, a feeling of rebirth or palate cleanser, like the hot chip remix, or or maybe it's a it can't beat him join him kind of feeling that I get from the from the Stung Chinese New Year remix of Dirty Harry. <laughs> you know what? I think that works really well. <laughs> it's the five stages of D side just to grief. The five stages of D-Sides are Denial with the DFA remix, uh-huh. Anger with the Metronomy remix, uh-huh. Bargaining, Junior Sanchez, right. Depression, Soul Wax, yeah. and Acceptance, the Chinese New Year remix. Perfect. Let's talk about the Dare remix of G- the Junior Sanchez remix of Dare. Well, this is this is serviceable. It doesn't veer very far from the original. The baseline is yeah, I mean, fine. It's not as good as the DFA, but it is live tracked again. There's some live guitar as well. I mean, this seems like what you'd be hoping to get if you are the devil who works for EMI and have been sending out dare stems to a bunch of producers. You get something like this, and you'd be like, "I'm a suit. I don't know what good music or art is. This sounds like it's perfect." Yeah, I can see the like this is this elevator pitch makes sense to me. You know, like, hey, what if we took Dare and put some like like white trash disco-y guitars under it? Exactly. It, everything's there is like very obvious. Yeah. There's like some like slap bass almost. It's all relatively effective. It's mm-hmm. it's like to me, this is it, like I said, this is exactly what they were fishing for. It feels like sleazy white boy rock. Yes. Uh Junior Sanchez, come on the show. <laughs> Please, Junior Sanchez. Uh, okay, so Dirty Harry, the Stung Chinese New Year remix. I've been very excited to talk to you about this, Trevor. This one's fun. I like. I enjoyed this, and it comes as a, this is the I think breath of fresh air or fresh of breath, breath air, air on this album. <laughs> right, because it's certainly like it certainly stands apart. But I got things to tell you about this. Okay, okay. First, I wanted to ask you: Do you consider this really a remix, or is this more of a cover? I feel like no, I don't consider it a remix. I think that it stands. There's another phase two oddity that this uh, creates a sort of pair with, and I'll talk about that in a second. All right, let's hear it. So, Stung is not the name of an artist or the rapper on this song, Trevor. Stung, oh, if you're listening and you've never listened to D-Sides Just 2, first of all, keep that up. No need, no need. You're fine. Especially not after listening to this episode. <laughs> For sure. But this is a Chinese language version of Dirty Harry that weaves in Chinese instrumentation to the original Dirty Harry uh, instrumental backing track. Quite effectively. Including a new kid's chorus and a new rap. And uh, Stung is not the name of that rapper. It's not the name of the producer. Stung, Trevor, is a Chinese greeting card and multimedia company. What? And they make songs for TV shows, movies, and commercials. What? And this was a this was created <laughs> because the Karate Kid remake movie was looking for Chinese language music for a sequence. <laughs> and so you so, know what that means. What does that mean, Trevor? Now we eventually get to review the uh, Karate Kid remake for this show. Thank God. It also means that I think that this song has forms of a neat pair in Phase 2 Oddities with the Kids Bop version of Feel Good Inc. I think that they are 
cut from the same commercial cloth. I'll give you that. Sure. Okay, here's the other thing I've been excited all week to tell you. Did you know that the lyrics to this are not just a Chinese translation of the English language lyrics, but their own new original lyrics? You've done a little digging on this one. I have. Uh, I'd like to sing to you the chorus translated back into English from the Chinese you're version actually gonna, You're going to sing it? I'm going to sing it to you. All right, okay. Okay, you ready? I'm going to sing you. Here we I go. Am. Sure. Daddy, mommy, I would like to thank you for the red packet. I would like it to be a little more red. Quick, come and pay a visit. Visit every year. Congratulations, congratulations. Wishing you good fortune to get plenty of red packets. (laughs) Now... You can easily find the Dirty Harry instrumental on YouTube. I know that for a fact. If anybody who listens wants to put that over it and send it in, please do that. Please. And then later, I'm not going to read the whole translation of the rap, Trevor, but there is one lyric that I really love where he goes, find a big panda, hug it to get through the year. Most importantly, be happy. Don't be calculative about how much money there is. It's good advice. It is good advice. Good advice. I like how they were like, huh, this this bouncy song with the kids in it seems to be about the Iraq war. Well, we don't we don't have to go that way with it. We could take it a different direction. Just last week, I was saying, man, I wish somebody took the Dirty Harry beat and used it for something else about the Iraq war. (laughs) Who knew that only a week later, my prayers would have been answered back in 2007. Listen, mom, dad, I really appreciate this red packet that you gave me. However, I wish wish that it was a little bit more red. (laughs) A little bit more red. Excuse me, I gotta go find a panda. Gotta give him a hug. It'll help me get through the year. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely top three on the record for me. Absolutely. Probably sure. number one with a bullet. <laughs> definitely now. If it wasn't before, definitely now. We only got one more song, and then we're done. And I'm glad that this is the shortest episode we've ever done, Trevor. I'm very happy about yeah. it. We have a gauntlet to get through before we're out of this thing, and that is the Quiet Village remix of Kids With Guns. Not a place I would ever want to live, if this song is any indication. Look, look, at least it doesn't want you to like it. Like, at least it clearly isn't out to make any friends. Like, it goes places. It just becomes, like, more and more sort of ugly and bangy. And then, like, eventually these yelping, whining original vocals get added in, you know? I will say it goes places. I wish it didn't take me to those places with it. (laughs) That's true. But this is another example of, like, I can at least imagine the EMI bigwigs being unhappy with it. And that makes me happy, you know? Because we certainly are. We're not happy. We're not happy. Maybe goes without saying this is in my bottom three as well. Of course. I mean, you know, look. Yeah. It, 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 they do a lot of switching up on the rhythm. There's some good technical playing here, I think. I think there's some like some really proficient drumming happening in this song. Uh, but it's not palatable. It isn't good to listen to, you know. No. No, not one second of it is, I don't think. 
I don't think so too. I mean, I think that I think that once it starts gear shifting, I remember listening to it in my car uh, as I was driving around doing errands, and when it when it does its first big gear shift into like the really noisy weird drums, I remember going like, oh, oh. So this we're going here. This isn't building to anything I thought it was building to. So again, put into the very weird like relative category of compare this to the rest of D side just two. This is interesting to me more so than like another soulless remix. It's just not yeah. pleasant to hear as music. Not at all. So I guess what I'm saying <laughs> at the end of the day is that like you have two choices on this record. You have bad songs and boring songs. And of the two, I like the bad songs more. <laughs> I mean, they are all, I, I would say they are all bad in their own special way. I don't want to exclude anybody from that label, but. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Kids with Guns, Quiet Village Remix, definitely one of the tougher ones to get through. For sure. 10 minutes, 10 minutes, Dylan. Rough. I mean, it's a real. They, I mean, the DFA started off at twelve, and then the Quiet Village ended at ten. These are these are these are gauntlets. You know, these are trials of endurance that you have to get through, and we did get through it. We finished. At it. least, at least they had the at least they had the decency to stick that nice sly version of uh, Hong Kong at the end of this album. That's true. Good point. Yeah, they stick the Manchester Opera House recording on here, which is very nice. And Although I think that that's just on certain formats. There's probably there's probably exists some two discs that don't have that. So there is a there is a thing. Well, those people got fucking screwed. I know. Or yeah. or if you're like me, you only ever owned the one disc version of this album, and it's just D sides, and D sides is a great record. Mm -hmm. You know, what was always depressing when I throughout this week when I was listening to this music, Trevor, is that. As soon as the Quiet Village remix ended, it would loop over to start over at the beginning of D-Sides and 68 State would would start. And I'd be like, oh, I wish I could listen to you, but I have to go back to the DFA remix and start all over again. It's, it's not fun, yeah. <laughs> at least we'll never have to go back. We'll never no. have to go back, Dylan. But Dylan, now that we've gotten through all these remixes, uh, I have a question I want to ask you. Sure. Who are some, uh, you know, we talked about a lot about uh, like the mercenary nature of remixes and stems getting sent out to other artists. Who are some artists that you would have loved to seen uh, work on some Phase Two Gorillas uh, songs? That's a good. That's a really good question. Here's here's a, off the top of my head. Uh, I would have liked to have seen the knife tackle one of these that would have been kind of cool that would have been really cool what do you think uh what would you have loved to see them take on um let's see i mean the just because everybody else went really dark with their with their kids with guns remixes i might skip over that but how about El manana that might have been interesting give me something kind of icy and minimalist around that i think dare would stuff. be really cool also would have been cool would have been hearing a dare remix know who i think would be cool i would have loved to seen like uh kids with guns remix by like trent reznor Oh sure, that would have been cool. I that feel like I feel like some people on this collection were maybe maybe trying to do kind of a half baked nine inch nailsy thing, you know? Maybe, maybe. And another one that I think would have been really, really nice would have been um Boards of Canada. Oh, Boards of Canada. Do they still do remixes? I don't know, but I I don't know if you've heard their remix of uh Good Friday by Y, which I think is from like two thousand eight. Yeah, that's a great remix. That's a great one remix. of my favorite remixes of all time. And I love Y too. Yeah, our listeners should go check out Alopecia. That's their best album. Y is a good, really good, good album. Band. The, we're done. We're done talking about remixes. I absolve us of the of the the weighty duty of of talking about remixes on this show. We don't have to do it anymore. Scott, I'm glad that's over. <clears throat> Thank God. 
which is something I said after every one of these songs. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, can I like write Spotify and have them take it off? Because here's the problem. When you listen to D-Sides on Spotify, it's very hard to stop the playback, the playthrough, before you hear the beginning of the DFA remix of uh, of Dare, and I don't want to hear that. Heaven forbid you hear the first couple seconds of that song, Dylan. I'd rather not. I'd rather not hear it ever again. Can I petition Spotify to remove D-Side Disc 2? Would anyone miss it? <laughs> I don't think you can do that, but you can uh, tell everybody where they can find us online and all that fun stuff. Yeah, you can find us online at Twitter, Facebook, Amino, Instagram, uh, Tumblr. You can write us an email at howlooyoumonkeys at gmail.com. You can join our Discord server at discord.me slash monkeys with a Z. You can write us a, a nice review on iTunes to help with our rankings and help more people find the show. Or uh, you can become a monthly donor on Patreon. Thank you again so much to our Patreon donators who help pay our server costs that uh, address is patreon.com slash hallelujah monkeys and this concludes all the places where you can interact with us unless i suppose you find us on the street but i'm not going to plug that that might just be a thing that happens yeah thank you uh thank you guys so much for contributing to the patreon and uh thanks again for joining us uh here at hallelujah monkeys for another week that's all uh we have for this episode dylan do you want to tell all the listeners what we're going to be talking about next week Yes, we finished our mini-season of Gorillaz Remixes, and now we embark on another mini-season about Gorillaz live releases, beginning with perhaps the greatest of them all, Demon Days Live, the DVD, the album, the experience. Right, we're gonna we're kind of cutting this season up in half, aren't we? I didn't even notice that. We're doing remixes, then we're doing live stuff. We've got, a, yeah. we've got some cool live stuff to look forward to. So, uh, yeah, join us then. Um, I've been Trevor Ickrath. I've been Dylan Flynn. Until next week, don't get lost in heaven. Demo? That's pretty good. Pretty good. I like it.